Road. We're your hosts, Morgan, Ricky, and Alyssa. We're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success. Our work may be seasonal, but our stories don't have to be. Become your own success story. Hey guys, middle of the res road back again. This time we're doing things, I would say weird. Um, me and Alyssa are going to be sharing a mic. We have a guest host, Joel, from our previous episode. Wanted to come back and begged us almost. Oh. <laughs> uh, but we have also returning Nick and Irie from our Five Skies episode that we did. Um, they have an upcoming training, and we wanted to see what they've been up to since we've done an episode on them. So... Thank you guys for coming down and letting yeah, us interview you again. Us. Yeah, we're glad to be back. So, Joel, you had a question on how they got. St- yeah, um, I was always interested to see how Nick and Nairi actually came about starting um, the program of Five Skies. Okay. Well, I guess I'll I'll begin the answer on that. Because uh, the program itself, I, I got started after working with uh, Taro. And, and our goal with Taro is basically to get tribal members, you know, employed. And, and that's what Taro still do. But one of the aspects of that, I don't want to say department, I guess, but that, that whole area um, was that we could only really get placements for people that were qualified for positions. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but we didn't have the ability to train people. So if you didn't come in with the qualifications and a contractor wasn't willing to bring you on and train you, we didn't have any ability to really do a lot and training is expensive. So that, that kind of became a difficulty because tarot's don't really uh, have huge budgets. We'll say. So the second part of that was when I was able to get people placed it worked out well. Contractor was like, hey, this is a great guy you sent. You know, I'd like to keep him on. Um, absolutely, that's my goal, you know, keep keep them guys working. And then they'd offer a position and either they wouldn't accept it or they'd take it, but they'd only be there for a little while and then they'd come back. So I start, you know, hey, how come you didn't want to take that job or how come you're back already? And um, started learning that some of the barriers that are existing out there for us uh, were really what was holding us back, and there's nothing that was out there that was really designed to address that. So um, leaving Tarot, I kind of tried to put something together that would help address that. Um, and it started more of like core skills and, and things of that nature. Um, but I knew that we were missing a component, um, and that component was going to be um, some of the teachings of the medicine wheel and the mending broken hearts that uh, the White Bison program uh, that my wife Nairi was involved with at that at that time. So I spent probably two years trying to coax her to come over and you know, join <laughs> the dark side, I guess, and come come do that portion. But she didn't really understand why, you know, construction needed that. 
Uh, and I finally was able to convince her to come try and do do a class with me. And uh, kind of at that point, that's when everything kind of took off. I don't know if you want to talk about that first experience, though, and what made you open your eyes. So I worked with the Ho-Chunk Nation uh, for about 25 years and going through different positions uh, and helping you know, uh, young people. And before I left the, the nation, I worked with people that were incarcerated or had, you know, issue, issues and at-risk youth. And I was able to take the Many Broken Hearts training. And for myself, you know, to go through that work for yourself, to understand what now you're asking of your participants, you really had to kind of put yourself in that mindset of, okay, how am I going to help that person if I'm not going to share my deepest, darkest thing with them? You know, you have to lead by example. And so when he asked me to do that at the first class, I was like, well, I already did this in, in uh, you know, um, in the jails. I was doing these classes. So I kind of had some experience, but not to the extent of having, you know, well, there was a, a variety of people. There was more non-natives um, that came to my class, which I still saw benefit from that. Uh, but then I thought, well, you know, what happens if I could do that for our people in the healing process that I could that I could do for them? And so when he asked me to do that, uh, I did the class. And, you know, after that first class, it was just, it was mind-blowing to see that change in people and that healing process that helped um, help them in the beginning to, to understand, like, why they did the things that they did, why the choices they made. Um, they kind of, like, reflect on a lot of their uh, past life, and then they think about that in the future. You know, some of them may have children, so then now they look at themselves, uh, how am I going to be a parent then? Because this is how my parents were, and I have to reconcile all of that because how I was feeling towards my parents. You know, because some people are angry at their parents for divorce or uh, whatever else is going on in their lives. So <clears throat> a lot of that is um, internal and then healing and then growth happens. So that's what I see in, in, in the class, and it was just so mind-blowing. I'm like, I looked at Nick, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, I said, now I know why you asked me to do this. So so basically that's it. That's the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately the goal is – to try to provide some tools and, and help so that way tribal members could actually kind of reach their potential. Um, and I knew that there wasn't anything out there, you know, existing that was going to do that. You know, and, and I joke with, uh, well, a lot of people I used to work with with tarot and, you know, a lot of people I run into. I do more tarot work now that I'm not part of tarot than when I was. I always hear like horror stories with tarot like all they do is like teach you how to be a flagger and like that's it I don't is that true or to some extent it is because that's well especially here in Minnesota um, there's not really uh, a, an extensive curriculum that needs to be taught to become a flagger to, to be trained as a flagger so that a tarot really is that's something they could actually offer mm -hmm. uh, in Wisconsin. It's there's eight hours of hands on that are required in addition to another eight hours of classroom, I believe. So it's it's very intensive and it has to be done in a live work site. So most tarots don't have an active construction area going on to, to be able to show that. So, you know, here in Minnesota, they can. 
they don't have, as a tarot, they don't have the capacity to be able to um, actually bring you to, you know, even a, a shop, for example, and say, hey, for 40 hours, we're going to, you know, we're going to teach you framing or we're going to teach you, you know, hanging drywall. Or we're going to teach you, you know, all these other yeah. things. So they're limited. You know, they don't, again, goes back to the budget. Uh, for whatever reason, it seems that um, the last people that get funded are the ones that are frontline in providing support and services to the membership itself. So tarot's are the one that kind of seem to take the hit, and it's it's universal, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, how long did it take you guys to start up your new business, I guess? Did it take a long time to get that everything figured out, or did it happen right away? It yes was a process. And, yeah, yes and yeah. no. <laughs> Definitely a process, and um, I I really lean on Nick for the the business side of it. Uh, I'm more of the curriculum builder, and um, he does the he handles all the business stuff. So you know, finance, and he's the CEO and president, and. <laughs> The curriculum um, I I, de- I design so, um, but it, I think it started you know Five Sky started in uh, 2014, and that was actually um, the five of the five of us. We have three adult children, and we created that company. Um, so they they're actually doing property management uh, for for their business. So. Uh, a lot of the things that we t- uh, talk about in financial literacy, we taught our children as they were growing up. So things that, the pitfalls that we fell into, we taught them what not to do and taught them the, the better ways of doing things. And having that financial sense of working for yourself or, you know, work for work for a company. You know, what, what do you want to do? Um, and that lesson came to them when they had a summer youth program. They had to work and see what that was and our middle son did the did six weeks and he's like nope I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do our own business <laughs> <laughs> so that financial literacy piece really um was key to them and wanting them to work for themselves and so we created that five skies just, and we talk about that in class and how we bec- became five skies um with Ho-Chunk <clears throat> uh, I'm Thunder Clan and so that's a uh, upper clan and my children and it's kind of weird. Uh, so Ho Chunks, we follow the paternal side, and so uh, Nick's, and, and maybe you could probably talk about that, Nick. And how? So, as as Oneidas were matrilineal, so for her to follow her ways, the husband's side would dictate the children, but my ways dictate that the mother's side dictates so the clan and and all of that so her following her ways means that the boys got to basically follow her side so be thunder clan and enrolled ho-chunk versus oneida oh i Um, didn't know that but it it, it's it gave me the kind of pause to actually have to learn then from you know my father-in-law what i needed to be able to teach because women don't teach you know men relatives how to be men relatives so i had the responsibility of learning uh, those things so we could we could teach that. And, of course, Gordon was very instrumental in assisting with that, too. Uh, as grandparents are, that's their role is to, to help, you know, teach that as well. So um, 
that was the wonderful thing about it. But it it helped them understand uh, from a tribal and clan perspective too of that. Um, never refers to it as servant leadership. So uh, showing and leading by example and, and being you know the the good kind of um, steward not only of you know where we live but also the community itself. Uh, so they realized from that, you know, I can't do that if I'm working for other people. You know, you just need that flexibility and freedom. And what we do when we say it, it yes and no, it developed quickly, was a lot of the, like, the core lessons in financial literacy and those things are, like Nairi had said, trial and error. Things, all the, mis- we're telling you and showing you all the mistakes we made, so you don't do those. But then all the lessons we learned from it, we put together. So it took many, many years of messing all kinds of things up to finally figure out what the right ways to go about it were because nobody was there to show us either. And then putting it together, though, didn't take that long to actually come up with what we really need to teach people. But then fine-tuning how we actually approach it and, you know, what we, you know, what we can do live and in person uh, versus is there anything that could be done virtually and those types of things. We had to iron that out, so that was a little bit of a process, but I think our, the last class that we did in White Earth um, really kind of synthesized that down for me to understand better, too, was that at the end of the class, we'll sit down and we get an evaluation from, from everybody, but then we also talk to them and have what we call like an exit interview. You know, what did you learn? What was most important to you? What was most valuable? And the one uh, one gentleman that was in the class had said, you know, I moved away from home for a while, separated from my family, and I learned all these lessons. Kind of, kind of tough, but um, you know, I had an uncle that was trying to teach me these things. Me and you know my cousins, and now that I'm back and we're together again, I see that you know they didn't really listen and what he was trying to show us. He's like, then I come here, and you took like five years of lessons and you put it all into like a couple of days for us and i was really going after my cousins like hey you know this this is important stuff you know it's like he's saving you so much time by you know telling you these things and it kind of gave me that appreciation of you know more it's not the investment of time that it took us to figure out how to put this all together but kind of the savings and time that we're providing to people it's like if we can reach you, might save you several years of you know heartache down the road. So, Joel, what was your biggest lesson from the financial literacy class? Um, well, my biggest lesson out of the out of the whole class, I mean, the whole training would be that vulnerability isn't something to fear. You know, and that's what Nick and I are bringing to the training through the Mending Broken Hearts was, you know, they allowed you a safe place to be vulnerable before, you know, almost before the training even started, the actual training started, you know, they wanted to get you comfortable. They wanted to get you feeling safe, secure in your environment. And I, and I think that's what the training really did. You know, it allowed me to express my feelings. It allowed me to laugh. It allowed me to have fun. It allowed me to let go of things. Um, it, it was, you know, it was very beneficial in the way that I looked at um, 
at Nick and Nairi and what they do and how they do things. And I felt uh, experience in the room. I felt uh, the care, the love, the joy, happiness, you know, and, and also, you know, also the, the I'd say the motive to, to see them want to better their people. You know, and that's what they're doing, you know, and I felt like even though everybody in the room was different, everybody in the room is different, you know, they have that ability to look at everybody exactly the same, you know, no better. Like, they put worth in every every person that steps into the room, you know, because... Like, see that, their potential? That takes courage, yeah. That takes courage to even walk through the doors not knowing what to expect, how to even go about you know walking in that door that first day and not knowing what to expect but that you know that changed my life you know the training really changed my life uh the financial literacy part uh, i'm still learning that you know i'm still learning that i i i've you know i i came from um came from nothing you know my whole life so you know to actually have something today and and um, have the ability to work for that something, you know, makes it that much more valuable, you know, and to be able to share that with my friends and my family and um, my daughter and, you know, my, my significant other, it's just, you know, that's the be- most beautiful thing in the world that, you know, like I can go to Pedro's. And not have to, not have to, <laughs> not have to work. Prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's like I earned Pedro's today, you know, and just little things like that, you know. I mean, I never thought I'd be, you know, like be able to make a car payment or be able to make an insurance payment or be able to pay my own rent or, you know, just pay your own bills, you know. I mean, but, you know, like what I took from that, what, you know, the Five Skies program was, you know, like uh, life lessons. Uh, on responsibilities you know I got to put this much away this much away this much away and then Christmas came around and took it all (laughs) you know (laughs) that's just the way it works (laughs) but but it just feels good to be a good provider you know for my family and to see the smile on my daughter's face you know when I set up her brand new bed you know she was so happy you know and and that's you know that's what I do it for you know I do I do it um, to see the joy and to see the comfort and, you know, my family and my friend's face, you know, that I'm okay. I'm all right. See, one thing for me was like the auto payments and stuff, like a car comes out, car payment comes out automatically. My whole thing, like I'm just starting to realize this is like, I always didn't do the auto pay because I'm like, oh, what if I need this money? Mm-hmm. What if I, and then eventually I just realized, you know, once it's auto pay, I don't see it. It comes out automatically. And then, you know, it's just something you don't really think about anymore. Like, I don't really think about my car payment because it comes out automatically. But it's like that mentality that's like, I don't want to pay my bills because what if I need my money? <laughs> what if I want to go to Pedro's? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. You know, I got to cut Pedro's out two times this week and, <laughs> and, and pay my electric bill. You know, I mean, that's how it goes. And, um, I, I, I just, you know, I, I learned responsibility through the program. I learned, you know, I, I learned how to reach out. I learned how to ask for help. I learned how to um, show up for myself, you know, because that's, that's the bottom line is, you know, you need to make it every day. You got to show up every day for yourself, you know, and that, that, show, that, you know, that proves a lot of who you are as a person. 
Plus, don't you have to do planks if you're... Yeah, if, if you're, you're late. <laughs> yeah. What was it? One minute late? Two minutes? The planks are... <laughs> 30, it starts at 30 seconds and increases 30-second intervals, but late is late. Late uh, is late. Yep. And that's one of the things we try to teach our, our participants is like, you know, especially in the construction field, you know, you got to be 15 minutes early, you know, otherwise if you show up at seven when you're supposed to work, then you're late, you know, 15 minutes, you're supposed or half an hour. They're there to give you instructions. Here's what you do today. And then at seven o'clock, that's when work begins, you know, so when you're showing up at seven o'clock, you don't even know what you're doing. And so responsibility and we work as a team, you know, the whole class works as a team because uh, and, and Nick explains it really well in, in classes. Like They're like, well, why do I have to do it if Joel was late? Just he should do it. And I'm like, well, if you're on the construction team and you're down here and this is holding up, well, everybody else down the line has to wait until your section gets yep. done. And then it just so it builds off of everybody. Your team. So the, the process of getting into the mindset of we're all a team, so we all need to complete the goal, that's, that's why we do everybody. And we, we try to help them understand that. When Joel's late, everybody planks. Yeah. <laughs> Accountability. Yeah, I did try to explain to, to so I had one guy really, really argue with me, and I finally I was like, if there was a better way for me to teach you that everybody here is reliant on everybody else, I would do that. But I'm not smart enough to have figured that out, so you know, get down there with them. <laughs> get down and do your plank. And, and that's really the way it is out there, you know, like all that work. It, it really is that way. You gotta rely on the person next to you to watch your watch your back you know you have to you have to rely so if you if you ain't there who's watching their back you know and that's the way i look at it you know i mean you gotta just know what you want be there early you know and and that's one thing i took from that from the program you know is show up early you know you'll, you'll never have a problem you know like um People respect that. Bosses respect that when you get there, you know, 20, 30 minutes early. You know, it just it makes it so much easier on your time that you're going to spend there at work. You know, like because they they know you're there. They know they know that you want to be there, and that changes, you know, like their outlook on how they look at you. I feel like once you start that habit too, you're always like 15, 30 minutes early for everything. And that's one of the things too. It's we just don't make just a class to it. With the exception of Nick, we, the instructors do it as well. You know, it's got to be a team effort. Yep. You know, the leader has to show. So I'm on I'm on, on the ground as well, planking with the rest of them. I think the max we did was four and a half minutes with one class. So, Holy. yeah. Um, so then we give them some time, too, to if you're back on time, everybody's back on time, then, then time starts to come off. So then they start to towards that okay everybody be back at, at the same time <laughs> four and a half minutes that, i mean that was that was a long time <laughs> somebody somebody does have to watch to make sure people are doing it though so yeah oh your supervisor then yeah yeah <laughs> drill I, sergeant I pretend i am anyway the drill sergeant right there <laughs> you guys mentioned your mending broken hearts in our last episode I was wondering, would you guys kind of, I don't, I don't know, give us a crash course on it, even though I know, what would you say, it takes two weeks? No, well, Mending Hearts takes three days in our oh. program, um, and White Bison does it differently, so oh, okay. uh, Nick and I, we modify it, modify it to kind of fit into our schedule, 
uh, I think in White Bison, they do it in 12 weeks. So they do one class a week. Oh, and, okay. and we do it in three days. And we find it more beneficial to do those three days. So Many Broken Hearts is dealing with grief, trauma, and loss. And that really, uh, that's the underlying and intergenerational trauma. You know, with all of us natives going through what we've, what our ancestors have gone through, that's been passed down to us for generations, and we just carry it uh, with us. And you know, it's scientifically proven; it's in our DNA. So we have that marker in our DNA of that trauma. So we pass it down each generation to our kids, our grandkids, our parents. So to heal from that, we have to um, learn that process of healing and forgiving the unforgivable so sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no that's but, okay um for like people who don't know how is generational trauma passed down good question <laughs> <laughs> i guess the best way to describe or explain that is going to be um when something happens to you it's going to impact the way that you react and the way that you behave in life. That molds how you are as a parent, for example. So a behavior that your parent um, learned is taught to you. That behavior that you've learned from your parent now, you're going to pass on. And that's going to continue to cycle, but it gets worse every generation because you may not have learned the proper, like our, like, you know, our elders have, you know, they had ways of, of addressing issues and coping with things that those skills were not shared. So what you learned was all the negative stuff, but you didn't learn how to fix it. And now you pass on the negative stuff, but you had more to add because you've experienced additional, you know, bad things without knowing how to cope with it. So you, you took the baggage your mom and dad gave you and you added yours to it and you handed that whole big bundle to your kids who put their bundle in there and gave it to their kids and it kept growing. So what we're trying to do now is is historically show the tools that are out there to help uh, start unpacking that baggage. Because um, what we see on, like on the job, how it aff affects you is um, somebody could trigger something that's, you know, you're carrying in that that baggage and then you go off you say something or you do something or you wind up you go out drinking that night or whatever and you wind up losing your job well you now have added something to that baggage that you're now carrying because you you know you got fired you had to go off on somebody or you know you've seen it or you've gotten mad at somebody and you know maybe well, you weren't at work but you know you start arguing or yelling at them or hollering calling somebody names get into a fight any of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. It's and you don't even know why you reacted that badly. You're like, you know, geez, what the heck's the matter with me? <laughs> well, it's a lot of anger issues too, and um, unresolved grief. You know, when when someone passes away, even and it doesn't even necessarily have to be passed away. It's just you have a broken relationship with them. You know, and that you carry that that grief, that unresolved uh, issue between you. You know, you and whoever you're you're carrying that with, and you don't address it. And you don't let it go. And so that affects the way you see them, whether it's I'm going to be cordial, but I'm not going to interact with that person. So you just say, well, I have a problem with Joel. There's Joel. Hi. You know, good, good seeing you. And, and then just be off, be done with it. And having that tension and that sh stress and strain, you're just 
carrying all that. And that's something that we try to teach you to release and all of that and understanding and actually facing that stuff head on. You know, most of us deal with that and we say, oh, I'm just, I'll deal with that later. Mm-hmm. I'll put it in my backpack and I'll deal with that when I'm ready. Well, when are we ever ready? You know, you know, and, and mending broken hearts makes you say, okay, today's the day I'm going to have to really deal with that. And, you know, that's, that's the hard part. You know, you have to be ready to, to be open-minded and be able to, to take that head on. And we see participants uh, start our class, and then we do those the first three days. We see people drop out day one, day two, because it's, it's that hard. We just say, first three days are going to be the hardest. And then after that, it's going to be a cakewalk. <laughs> you can, if you can be past day three, you're going to make it. You know, and I think that's uh, really the gist of uh, many broken hearts is you, you got to ha- face that. And nobody does until yeah. they come to see us. Well, and what I described is more generalized. I mean, yeah. that's just trauma. But we know as Native peoples, we have specific events that have been happening to us. So every Native that comes into our classroom, we know they have experienced historical mm-hmm. or intergenerational trauma. But until we start showing them those impacts a lot of people don't even realize that that's what's causing a lot of the things they're like well yeah i do that or i've done that or you know my brother or my cousins or whatever and they don't realize that that's why it's actually happening they were just like oh well that was normal to me you know we had some people you know say hey have you you know have you been physically abused have you been emotionally sexually mentally abused no 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 you know, and they got bruises all over, and they're like, finally asking that question of, "Well, what do you mean by physical abuse?" And then you kind of explain it. You're like, "Oh, well, yeah, that happens every day. That's just normal for me." And you don't realize that some of those things that you've been going through are causing those. And then we try to provide some of those tools to say, because it all starts with forgiveness. You've got to be able to forgive, like I already said that you know you have basic forgiveness all the way to forgiving the unforgivable. And one of the hardest things to forgive is self. Um, we've all made mistakes, and, you know, we torture ourselves over those things. You, uh, forgiving somebody else for something you, is sometimes easier than actually saying, you know, first I'm going to own up to the fact that I made this mistake. Mm-hmm. I'm going to admit that I'm human, and then I'm going to forgive myself for having done that. So I can move on and heal from it. And once you start doing that, then the little hiccup that happens at work, you know, where, you know, the guy next to you drops the fries and now you got to remake them or whatever the job is, you don't blow up on them and then lose your job. You're like, oh, this is no big deal. I can deal with that because I've dealt with so much worse. And that's kind of why why I felt, you know, I, I need to bring Nairi in to add that component because... If we can give you a head start in, in getting rid of the stuff you're bringing with you, it's a lot easier to get over the, the hurdles that are going to happen to you at the workplace anyway. So that's kind of why that is. It's a really good way to explain it. Like, whenever somebody asks me what it's like generational trauma, I usually just, like, refer to, like, oh, it's how natives were treated in the boarding schools, that kind of passed down to how they raise their kids and that gets passed down to that's kind of how I explained it but the way you explain it is really good like it could be any situation that that happens and all of a sudden that's like ingrained into your brain the way we look at things I mean how we define 
what's traumatic to somebody, you know, well, that's not traumatic at all, you know. Right. But you know, then we downplay that and we, in, uh, we don't validate their feelings and you know say that happened. You know, part of it is validation. You know, you need to know that I need to validate myself for to forgive myself for all for all the things that bad choices, good choices, whatever that is. We need to validate that for ourselves and understanding self ourselves first um i think that's a huge key and part of our training is it's why we work so hard on self in the beginning and then we give you all the other tools because we want you to understand how to use those when you understand yourself then you the tools that we give you are going to be a whole lot easier so and it's nice that um we can see that benefit no matter who comes through our program so as nairi said you know doing those in in the jails and and that having the non-natives see that benefit, it's because even though not everybody's, you know, ancestors are, were in residential school or even, you know, close relatives even in some cases, they've still experienced some of those things and they have things they can heal from. So no matter who you are, we can give you some kind of tools to help. You don't have to be just native to benefit from our program. Another question so I was just kind of wondering, like, um, what are people going to expect from the trainings to come? Like a little summary on, like, exactly how you would explain the training. Or if you guys have done anything, if you're going to do anything new. More well. planks. <laughs> <laughs> Change them to wall sits? I don't know. I don't know if that's harder. Or <laughs> well, we we always sit down and we kind of revise some of the some of the programming in the curriculum. So the core, like the mending broken hearts, that's going to be an essential element for what we do, and that leads directly into you know teachings of the medicine wheel. So we we want to keep those elements because it's still focused on self, but some of the core skills. Um, those things are getting, you know, get adjusted and amended and updated. Um, we didn't talk about in your class, like, logical fallacies. But I talked a little bit about that in our last class because you hear a lot of arguments being made, especially politically, that are based on fallacy. You know, if I can, if I can convince you my argument is correct by misleading you, then I can convince you to vote for my guy or do whatever. Um, but just explaining to people, hey, these this is an actual technique. It's a logical fallacy, you know, whether it's a red herring or, you know, straw man argument or something else just to make you start thinking, oh, that guy's really making a lot of sense. I think I'm going to vote for him. But then understanding that, oh, wait a minute, that sounds just like he's saying this. And then you can do your own research and find out because we always encourage that. Um, we do modify some of that, but what you can expect coming in, long answer, I know. <laughs> We're going to work on self, try to give you some tools to make you a better you, regardless of your pathway forward. And then depending on what you want to, what you want to learn, um, because it, each class is different. The questions we get from somebody in a class dr drive the information that we, we provide as well. So we're going to have critical core skills. We're going to have, you know, mock interviews and resumes and, and financial literacy, those things. But the actual content is still going to change based on who's there. 
the conversations we have with the individuals as, as well as the questions that they, they bring. Um, we want to try to uh, address those things as they come up and not just go, oh, well, we're not here to teach you that. We, we, try to, we try to address everything. And then we also will have contractors come in, and it's gonna, that's always going to vary uh, based on availability. So we'll have a contractor or an employer, it doesn't even necessarily need to be construction, come in and talk about some opportunities. But we also are going to have you do some research on those employers to have your own questions so you can say to them, you know, hey, why do you do this or why do you do that or, you know, how much am I going to get paid when I work there or whatever it is because we want you to have an eyes wide open way of going forward to say, you know, hey, I always heard this guy's a really good guy to work for, but then you start researching and you're like, I don't think I want to work there. And I'd rather you learn that before you took that job than, you know, three weeks in and you're like, boy, I hate this. Yeah. One of the things, too, we like to ask is our graduates to come back and talk you know, whether it's Zoom or in person, because they sat in their seat. They know what they're feeling. They know what they're thinking, um, what they're kind of going through in their mindset. And in having them come back, we'd like to have more graduates come back and actually talk in our sessions because the success out there for our graduates, uh, it's amazing to see these guys uh, out there just, you know, kicking butt and doing what they're doing, not only for their families, but for their community. And the things that we see, the confidence, you know, even today, the confidence that uh, Joel has, you know, in himself and what he can do, those are the things that, for me, make make what I do a lot easier and what I want to do more of that because I say that in class. Uh, one of the things is uh, reach back and reach, you know, each, each one teach one. So and that's what they're doing is they take the class, they say, hey, here's like, Know, three other people take this class and they're so they're reaching back and trying to pull other people up and that's what we want people to do is we want them to we want to uplift everybody to say come there's more there's more opportunities out there and we always say there's there's more than enough out there for everybody you know so we shouldn't be uh, crabs in a bucket you know that's one of the stories we do too in, in our story in in the thing is let's not be crabs because we want to uplift our people. We want to make sure our people succeed. We don't want to pull them down and drag them and have an attitude of, you know, that crab of, well, you think you're better than me, you know, kind of attitude. And we shouldn't have that. We want all of our people to succeed. So having our graduates come back in and talk and seeing the success that they do, it, it's it's amazing. And we're, we just got done doing a, a video update um, on our website. We do have a, a nine-minute video that we did with our first class uh, we're actually in the process of updating that video. Um, so with testimonies from, from geez, like what, six or seven or eight of our graduates came in and sat down, and it's kind of like, where are they now? You know, and they'll be on our website once we get that um, production uh, wrapped up. Uh, that'll be coming in later next year. So there's, th there's still stuff going on that we want people to see. You know, there's real people to these stories. It's just not, you know... When I'm just not out there just saying, come join our class. You'll do good. <laughs> and it's crazy, too. Like, everyone everyone we've talked to that's been through your program, they've always been like, I owe my success to Nick and Irie. And it's, it's amazing that you're changing so many lives. Well, when they say that, I always say, well, it, you took the first step. You know, what we did is, is we take that mirror and we turn it on you because we see that potential. And we build that confidence up to when graduation day happens, you know, the mirrors turn back to them and they see 
what we what we saw probably on day one in, in all of our people you know there's some there's you know there's a lot out there that we that they can do it's just sometimes they just need somebody else to show them that they can accomplish anything and that's what we do at the end of graduation and they're our family you know oh yep that's exactly what it is you know i mean i'll always be grateful for nick and nairi you know just for opening the door you know i mean that's what they're doing for native people all across the country you know and and they they see worth in our communities they see potential you know and that's that's um unconditional love you know, like they see unconditional love for, for their people. And I, I really appreciate that, you know, like how they saw something in me that I probably didn't see in myself at the time and that, you know, and, and they just showed me how to look at myself and know I was uh, worthy of a not only a, a good working life, but just to, to be able to provide and like Nairi said, walk with confidence, you know. And I really appreciate that. You know, I love hearing them talk. <laughs> well, we only, you know, we just give you tools. Um, you you got to put the work in. You're the one that's, you know, it's your effort that results in your success. You know, so everybody that, you know, you've talked to that have said all those great things about us, they've, they did all the work. We just, you know, we facilitated that and they said, hey, here's here's a roadmap. But, you know, they got themselves there. And I'm very proud of you know, every one of them, not just, not just the ones you've talked to, but everybody that's made it through our program, I'm, I'm proud that they made it, whether they went on to, you know, great things and they're, you know, journeymen or whatever, the fact that they took that challenge that we put before them and they rose up and they met that and they got through. However they go forward in life, we know that they've got the tools to be able to make the most of that. If they got to call us back and say, hey, I'm, I need a refresher. That's okay. But at least we know that, you know, they've got a better chance now than, than before we ever met them. So that that's kind of why, kind of why and what, and some of the changes in our programming that you can look for, uh, hopefully by the second quarter of 2023, um, is our ability to kind of facilitate those, um, um, links with employers so we talked early on about tarot. So tarot's have a job skills bank. So a contractor calls up and says, hey, I've got a project on, on the res, and I was told I got to call Car- tarot, call Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I got to call tarot, and I got to hire some people. So then tarot pulls up their list and says, well, here's who I got. You know, here's, here's my laborers, and here's my flaggers. We're doing the same thing. Five Skies is putting together the same kind of a database, but it's essentially off-reservation. So uh, we're starting just in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and we've got it broken out by um, the DOT. So MnDOT has, I think, eight different regions in Minnesota. So if you get a contract awarded as a, you know, in a state project, you're going to be working in one of those eight regions. They have hiring goals for natives, veterans, women, um, and there's significant uh, goals here in Minnesota, which is really great to see. But if you're not on or near a reservation, those contractors don't have any mechanism to actually be able to, to meet those. You know, they can, they can call the hall, but the hall's not always going to be able to say, oh, well, here's, all my, here's a list of all my natives. 
So what we're doing to try to answer that call is putting together uh, that database. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we brought Craig Hansen in. He uh, used to be a, a trainer with us, and then he went uh, working with Mille Lacs Band for a while. And uh, he's back with us, and in two days he'll start regular full-time with us. Um, that's He's going to be helping head that up to, to actually make sure that we got that database uh, more secure, and then we'll be marketing it to, well, there's more than 6,000 contractors here wow. in Minnesota. Uh, we're going to try to see if we can get those guys on board with it um, so they can just call us, and then we can give them that list. We've still got some things to iron out, but I think that's going to help us facilitate uh, getting more natives work, if that's what they want to do in that pathway, but then also getting more exposure then to employers in in other fields whether it's office or the healthcare field or or whatever it is uh so hopefully we can make those links between you know the tribal communities and then the actual available work and and get that and you know down the road our our goal would be to actually be able to have that become a service you know big pie in the sky so that would be like a subscription service for the contractors they sign up they you know just like just like Netflix, so they you know they pay a subscription fee. We provide that service to them, and that funds us in being able to do training. So now we don't have to find uh, like a tribal community that can afford a training. We just have to find a community that needs the training. Oh, that's so. Cool. And then we can just come there and do it. And that's ultimately our goal. That's the best way that we can keep this going because we don't you know nobody that comes to our training has to pay for it. Um, we try through donations, grants, or um, contractors that fund the training directly, um, to, so that and the so the tribe and the tribal members don't have to pay anything. That's that's what we've been trying to to do. And like I already said I'm the business guy. That's kind of the way I've figured out how we can possibly do this without having to you know, bring somebody on to go around and knock on doors or make GoFundMe pages and all that kind of stuff. Just, <laughs> Get a little red bucket with a bell. Yeah, you know the contractors are ultimately they're going to be the ones that benefit because they're going to meet those those goals on those projects. Um, we'll be able to help them meet those goals, uh, so that's their benefit. So it makes sense that they're going to want the most qualified and well trained and you know solid people that they can have. So using those funds to to train those guys, just it makes sense. That's awesome, man. Can't wait to see where you guys go from from here. Yep, the opportunities that we want to provide all of our tribal members, you know, not just Ho-Chunk or Oneida or anything. We we look at all of our family out there. You know, if they want to get a good job, good not a job, but a career path, you know, and if we can provide those opportunities for them, that's, that's the one thing. And I guess one of the biggest things, too, with takeaways with our training is we, we mentor after. You know, there's a lot of times where people can text us, call us, message us, uh, and we're going to be there. You know, I think four or five years we've had a graduate uh, already and, and still call up, hey, this is what, how I'm doing. You know, here's what I'm doing because we, we ask, what are you guys doing? You know, we have a page uh, on our Facebook for just for our graduates um, because in many broken hearts they talk about a uh, healing forest. And so we want all of our graduates to to be in that healing force so how things go and you know if, if there's things going on we post jobs in there um just 
say, hey, how's how's things going? You know, they talk to each other in there and also tease each other in there, <laughs> 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 which is a good thing, you know. Uh, and I have this screensaver uh, on during the training, and it says, uh, surround those who are on the same mission as you are. And that's, that's the I think, the mantra that we have for, for our, our graduates. They surround themselves with the people that have the same goal in mind, which is stick together, do good things, and, and what you how you want to succeed, your path forward, because those people are going to support you. And that's what, I think that's one of our biggest things is we support our graduates after, you know, whether it's financially, sometimes it's financially, sometimes it's all our own pockets because we want them to succeed. We don't want them to have any barriers to stop them from, you know, getting that job. You know, we've paid for a hotel. We've paid for gas money to get out there so they can get to the job. Uh, and then they, they pay us back. You know, it's all about the trust, too. You know, so we I think we go above and beyond trying to help our people because we want them to succeed. And I think that makes a huge difference um, to our participants. I know um, Nick and Nairi have access funds for me when I was in the refinery. And that was really nice. I didn't know I owed you, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really nice, you know, like, like it was, it really helped me out in that time because, you know, like, and that's all I had to do was ask. And, you know, they, and, you know, like I said, they saw potential in that. So it's like they, and, and they help out where they can. And, not, and you know, I'm always grateful for that. Not like I hit him up every day and ask him for a Christmas present, you know. But hey, we now, want now we know. How, yeah, that, now we know yeah, how he goes yeah. to Pedro's. But hey, can I can I borrow twenty for Pedro's? <laughs> no, if, if our program can help and it's within our guidelines, we do it. And if it's not within our guidelines, like Nari said, then we're still going to see if there's something that we personally can do. And if that's the situation, and, and Joel, we didn't say, hey, this is a loan, so it was within the program. But if, if it's not within the program, but it's coming out of our pocket, we'll tell you. You know, hey, I, I can loan you this much. Is that going to help you? You know, and, you know, get me back whenever you can. You know, I understand that. Uh, I talk about it in financial literacy. I have a budget line item for loaning money out. If I don't have the money to loan to you, because, uh, you know, have you ever loaned money to somebody and never seen, you know? All, all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> I want to make sure that you don't put, you know, I don't put myself in a situation, because I've learned from that same thing, that I'm loaning money out that I've now got to start calling you. You know, now i got to put the collection agency hat on because, you know, I gave Joel 20 bucks and, you know, I want to go to Pedro's. <laughs> you know, so if I, if I can help, I will. If I can't, I'll let you know that. But it's, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things that we, we try to figure out, too, I might say, hey, I'll help you, but before I'm going to help you, you got to send me your budget. I need to see what you've been doing. And I've had a few people that are, oh, okay, and then I don't hear from them again, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, who keeps track of that? <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your upcoming dates? So, okay, we January 30th. We'll start our uh, class at Leech Lake, so at Northern Northern Lights. No, Northern Lights. We'll have a class up there until February twenty fourth. So that will be our one class, uh, and then we've got another class starting in so in the cities at the Mermaid. Uh, yep, the American slash Mermaid. Uh, that'll be three days later, so February twenty seventh. That class starts, and that goes until March twenty fourth. Uh, and then we're looking at uh, having a, a three-week class 
uh, that'll be over in Wisconsin uh, with the Ho-Chunk Nation and then also Western Wisconsin Coalition uh, Workforce Initiative. Um, so that'll be a three-week class starting at the end of March. And then we're looking at... Um, we have a, a few more classes that we're going to be doing uh, in White Earth specifically. They had a they had a grant for this, so we were doing some classes. And Enbridge was a uh, contractor that was actually funding a lot of the programming that we had been doing recently. Um, not everybody wants to you know participate with that, and that's okay. Uh, but White Earth has independent funding, and they you know they've seen the benefits of the program that uh, we were able to offer. So we're going to be doing. I think we've got five more classes to do with them, maybe six. Uh, two classes a year for the, for a couple more years. Um, on our website, uh, www.fiveskies.org, there's going to be more information on those on those trainings, but we're trying to get flyers out to the tarots, and like down in the cities, uh, Craig's distributing them to some of the tribal offices or embassies down there as well as the American Indian Center. Uh, so you'll, if you see a flyer, you know, one of our flyers with a little QR code, you just scan the code and it takes you right to the application. Uh, we'll contact you a few weeks before uh, whichever class it is um, and set up an orientation, and that's where we go over kind of our expectations, our you know, our program rules, you know, I don't really. We don't really talk about the planks there, but maybe we maybe we might start warning people in advance. <laughs> um, one more thing I wanted to ask you guys: um, uh, guidelines for applicants. Okay. Yeah. Some of the classes that we have, um, there's going to be more requirements or qualifications, and I try to put those right in, you know, up front. But uh, right now, you got to be at least 18 years old. We would like you to be a high school graduate, GED, you know, or equivalent. That's uh, most of our classes. That's not a requirement, but the one we are doing in February, that is a requirement. Um, you've got to be an enrolled member of a federally recognized tribe for some of the classes. Um, you could also be a parent or a spouse of an enrolled member, though. Um, the one we're doing in February where you do have to have, you got to be 18, you've got to have a driver's license, you got to have a high school diploma. That one is open to natives, but also women, veterans, and other minorities. Uh, so that one's a pretty pretty broad spectrum. Um, that we'll all, but our class sizes are limited. Um, 30 is generally the, the maximum amount that we could have in a class. The one in February, we might be able to have a few more because we, we are bringing, we do have more staff coming in that's that's another little bit of a change uh in addition to craig like nari had said so um three more of us are actually certified for uh, the mending broken hearts uh so that's going to free us up a little bit more that way um 18 years old reliable transportation driver's license are preferred high school diplomas def you know preferred it depends on what career you're looking at uh, if you want to become an operator you're going to need a high school diploma or ged and you're going to need a driver's license uh, those are those are you know must haves. Uh, you got to be able to pass a drug test. Just about every employer is going to test you, um, so you got to be able to pass a drug test. And we normally will do screenings. Uh, either we will or the hiring contractor will do a screening. Um, so everybody knows we do a five panel oral uh, swab. So we don't do UAs anymore because that was kind of not fun. <laughs> 
Um, so that normally will happen right at the orientation, and then you know we collect everything. And we've got, you know, if you want to argue with us, we will send you to uh, Med Express. We've got an account set up there. If you really don't believe that you failed, um, we can do confirmations if we have to. But if you fail that one, then you know it's pretty much it. Uh, we also have uh, just one more guideline. <clears throat> so COVID vac- uh, vaccination. Um, oh, yeah, this is an update. Yeah, it is an update. So if you're um, vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask at our trainings. Um, otherwise, if you're not vaccinated, we wouldn't allow you in the program um, just because of recent events uh, with Nick's health requires that he has to have. Um, well, I thought they just needed the mask all the time. Well, well, yeah. So if you don't have a vaccination, then you'll wear the mask all the time. You'll get a temperature check. You'll have to, you know, use hand sanitizer um, if you're not vaccinated. Um, so that's the one big change we did have. So we just said vaccination only at at this. So now we're we're lifting that. So. Oh okay. We got a plastic room set up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in the bubble. Yeah, yeah, the bubble. You got your bubble over there. So yeah, if you, you if you've got a current vaccination, then uh, you don't need to wear a mask, unless the facility that we're having the training at has requirements. Um, that we don't have control over. But for our class now, we're we've uh, light, lightened that up a little bit. Doing planks with a mask was probably kind of rough. Oh yeah. Well, in the yeah. bubble, I, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I do got to argue with that, though, because uh, so I had to go through cardiac rehab and I had to wear a mask the whole time when I was in uh, doing rehab. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was literally exercising for 50 minutes a day with the mask on. And it's, yeah, that sounds rough. Well, it wasn't any. To me, I, I mean, if I could do that, you can do two minutes of planks with a mask. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <Easy>. true. <laughs> Just hold your breath. <laughs> so again, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity for us to come in and talk about our program. And, you know, yeah, thank it. you so much for letting us. Yeah. And congratulations. Thank you. Again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Engagement over here. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And they still sit by each other. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like each other. So. Right next to each other. <laughs> Sharing a <the> mic. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that being said, we will see you guys next time. Hey, hi. Hey, hi. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Bye. Hey, hi. 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 Hi.